before, before I just say to anything on this passage, I just want to iron out one inconsistency in this passage, okay? Um, and because I, this was something that literally came between the church office and getting here this morning, I haven't checked it, okay? I haven't checked it, and I know that will shock some of you. Um, but there is something that kind of gets me about this passage. It, it, Jesus says this, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. But Jesus knew Peter, okay? And Jesus knew that Peter could not be the rock on which the church was built. I'm sorry if I'm going to mess up some, some theology perhaps here, or b- biblical understanding. Peter's not the rock on whom the church is built, is he? He's just not. I, I heard it, and this is where I've not had time to fact check it. But I think it was at a conference that I was at in Derby when I'd been a Christian for about six months. And, and the person was speaking on this passage, um, and they said that, I, I tell you, this is Jesus, and I tell you that you are rock, because Peter also means rock. So it's like, I tell you that you are rock, little r, and on this rock... Big rock, not me, Jesus. So little rock, Peter's a little rock that is building on the big rock. That's the only way that you can make sense of this passage from the rest of scripture. Jesus is the stone who the builders rejected, not Peter. I mean, Peter would go on to be rejected. And so, you, so what we have to stop saying is that Peter is the rock. Peter is a rock in the same way that we are. And he had a name that was cool enough to be that but but he was no more than that Peter was no more than us he had a role to play just like you and I have a role to play but the reason that I chose this passage um, is because uh, and this was the passage I was going to read when I was saying about you know the most controversial thing we can say Jesus is Lord and it's because of this because when Peter says that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah, the son of the living God, implied and implicit within that is also this statement, Jesus is Lord. Because very briefly, a few weeks ago, I, w- I, was t- I touched on this fact that Jesus can only be Christ, that Jesus can only be Messiah if he is also Lord. You cannot be Messiah if you're not Lord. Okay, because Messiah is saviour. Messiah is the one who comes to save. Messiah is the one who is, who, who is told of in the prophets, who we've looked forward to since before, or, or, or God has looked forward to since before the foundation of the world. And, and the only way that Jesus can do what we hope that Jesus, and believe by faith that Jesus has done, is if he is more than just Messiah, but he is also Lord. Because in order... In order to take control over sin, in order to take control over death, in order to, in order to take control of all things, in order for everything to be put under his feet, as David says it has been, Jesus must be more than just Christ. He must be Lord. And so when Peter makes this statement, when, when Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, and sometimes I think there's, there's a thing, um, it's called something like uh, imaginative um, interpretation or something like that of Scripture. I can't remember exactly what it's phrased, what the phrase is, but I'll try and find it because I find it so fascinating. But it's the idea, or, or in, in, in brief, in my kind of um, non-PhD way of looking at things, it, it's the idea that when we read the Bible, we don't just have to read what was there. 
it's totally legitimate to read more than that. Because these were color, I say this all the time, these were color stories. These, these, these aren't old black and white things. These are, sorry if you like old black and white things. Um, but these are like color, um, mega mix, mega max, IMAX, uh, IMAX productions. Okay, 3D maybe even if you don't get too sick when you're watching 3D. This is real life stuff. And so a lot of what Jesus said that we have recorded probably isn't all that Jesus said. He probably said a few more things as well. In fact, he certainly did because at the end of one of the, at the end of John's gospel, John says, you know, if I was going to write down everything that Jesus said and did, then there wouldn't be enough books for it in the whole world. And so what I imagine is that actually when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that there might have been some other things in there as well. But Matthew's trying to save space. And so he doesn't put down all of the things that Peter said necessarily. He just puts down the really important one. And the really important one is this, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, and the reason he doesn't have to say Lord is because to be Christ the Messiah, you have to be Lord. Do you follow that logic? So, so, so what Peter is saying is, Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord, not only of this little spot that the 12 of us, 13 of us have stood on just now, not just of, of this region, not just of this, this nation that you are going to redeem, not just of this part of the world, but you are Lord of everything. That you are the one. John got this as well because John at the beginning of his gospel, you know, people say that John has a very high Christology because of the way he goes into uh, Jesus in the beginning of chapter one and how he was the word, the eternal word who spoke and breathed and all of that sort of thing. But actually Peter's got a high Christology here. He says, you are Christ, you are Messiah, therefore you are Lord. If you are Lord, you are God. If you are God, then you were here before the beginning and everything that John is going to write down, I don't have to bother. Because Jesus is Lord. And the most controversial statement in Peter's day that Peter could make was this. Jesus is Lord. Because remember the culture in which Peter was living. Peter was living in a Roman-occupied Israel. Peter was living under a Jewish um, set of, of, of messianic waiting, of waiting for the Messiah to come that said the Messiah is going to be political, the Messiah is going to be... Um, military, the Messiah is going to come in, we talked about it before, uh, on his charger and take control. And what Peter does when he looks at this man from a humble background, this man who nobody even believes is as a house of David, you know, they're, they're like kind of, shouldn't the Messiah be born in Jerusalem and, and all, of that, all of that sort of thing? So um, Peter looks at Jesus uneducated, not of the right line, not a famous rabbi, not a soldier, not a politician. And he says, you are the Christ. Therefore, you are Lord. And we know how controversial this was. We know how controversial it was because Jesus ended up dying for it. And Peter ended up dying for it. And all the disciples, with the exception of John, ended up dying for it. Because it was a controversial statement. But then, 
what happened, and my history isn't too, uh, you know, I'm just going to, it's just going to be broad brushstrokes here. Then what happened is a Roman empire, a Roman emperor, sorry, uh, decides, well, actually, if I kind of get, because Christianity started to grow and it started to get a bit more popular and that sort of thing. Um, and, and remember, the, the Roman emperors wanted to be Lord. Caesar, Lord, God, they, they saw themselves as deities. And so a Roman emperor decides that actually if he can somehow harness this faith, this, this Jesus thing, and bring it in and under him and make everybody that, then he's somehow in some kind of weird way going to be able to keep his lordship while Jesus is given his mini lordship. And so, and so the whole Roman empire overnight, bang, it becomes, it becomes Christian. I know that that is just doing absolute butchery to the history, by the way, but uh, just, just wrote, just go with it for now. And, and from then on, uh, places saw themselves as being Christian by virtue of, of, well, at that point it was being Roman. You're Roman, you're a Christian. You're Scottish, you're a Christian now. I, I remember one of the first conversations I had with somebody uh, when I moved to Scotland nearly 14 or 15 years ago. And he said to me, oh, because I talked about when I became a Christian. And he said to me, oh, am I not a Christian? He just assumed he was because he went to church at Christmas and Easter and, and he was white and from Scotland or, or whatever. He just assumed it. And, and, and sometimes today people lament the end of Christendom and people talk about, oh, if only we could have a return to Christendom. But you see, and what they mean by that is, is if only Scotland would be Christian again. Or if only the UK would be Christian again. Or if only Western Europe would be Christian again. But the thing about Christendom is that Jesus wasn't necessarily Lord in Christendom. The church was just in power. Do you see what I mean? And Jesus is the one who says, I'm not coming riding on a charger. I'm not coming to take military and political control. I am going to influence those things. Of course he influenced military, uh, military history. Because Jesus, well he should have done. Jesus turned around and he said, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. I tell you, turn the other cheek. How's that for influencing military strategy? Of course he was going to influence politics because he, he gave the most radical. So it's not that he isn't influencing and having an impact on these things. But Jesus in Christendom, Jesus wasn't Lord because... People like Peter stood before him in a risky position and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. In Christendom, Jesus was Lord in inverted commas because it fitted well with politics or because it fitted well with education or because it helped to control societies and make societies in inverted commas better places now i believe that jesus can make society a better place who else believes that i don't think i've ever seen so many hands all you know and it wasn't even like a fired up i believe that jesus can make society a better place i think it was last week i said you know i believe that jesus can make marriages better and schools better and, and, and families better that jesus makes everything better and yet he makes everything better when he wins our hearts by the power of the holy spirit at work it's not when it's not when we start to tell people how they should do things it's not when we start to lecture people on doing things you know the week before i became a follower of jesus if you told me who i should and shouldn't sleep with 
I would have told you to off. Okay? The next week, I've had an encounter with Jesus and suddenly I'm running to you and saying, who should I sleep with? Do you see the difference? One, Charles is telling me what to do. The next, I've had an encounter, an encounter with Jesus. He has become real Lord. Okay, not just this is what we do in Christendom, not just this is how the church behaves, not just this is what it looks like to be a respectable person. He has really become Lord. He has become Lord in my life and suddenly I'm the one who's going and I'm saying, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so that's why it's important that as churches we are involved in all of those conversations that I alluded to earlier. Because we need to be able to respond when our young people, when our new believers, when our, when our older, I don't know why I'm pointing it, I'm just, I pointed that way, that way, and then older believers. Sorry, Jenny. When our older believers come to, you know, we, be, we need to be able to participate in all of these conversations. We need a robust theology. We need to be people who are doing and wrestling with God. It is so important and it is so fun. Actually, believe it or not, it is so fun grappling with some of these things and asking God to teach us. But we don't wrestle with these things in order to condemn people outside the church. We wrestle with these things in order that within the church, we can grow in the likeness of the one who we are calling Lord and be that city, be that light, be those shining people. Because if Jesus is Lord, it must impact everything. If Jesus is Lord, his lordship must impact our families, our schools, our society, our ethics, our, how we respond to the poor, how we, res- how we vote. It must, res- it, it must impact every single area. And I felt that it was just, you know, it's one of those, even while I was before the service, actually, I was thinking, well, everybody knows this God. And yet, you know and I know how easy it is to know and not to know. How how easy it is. I I was just... uh, playing around with words during the week as I sometimes do and in one conversation I said you know it's so easy to know and yet not know to know the theory and yet in our hearts for something not to go deep and really penetrate because the thing is I think that the statement Jesus is Lord the statement when if Jesus was stood here before each of us this morning and he is and said who who do you say I am and you say well you're the Christ you're the Messiah you're the son of God therefore you're Lord that that is as controversial today as it was then because Lord means over everything Lord means that there isn't an area of life that his he isn't just touching, but he is, you know, to say he's touching it, that's, that's not enough, you know. I mean, like, I touch a bit of Billy's life, but it's not a lot of it, and I don't want to touch too much of it. To, you know, no, I do, but I do actually, you know. So, Lord means everything. Lord means that Jesus doesn't just want to have a little, he wants tentacles in. It's like, it's like one of those things that just kind of grows into you, and the, oh, it just, I mean, like the guy at, 
ra- totally random story, but I was chatting to the minister of Queen's Park Baptist yesterday. They've had an amazing conversion of a, of a second building in, in, in their Queen's Park campus. And they had these things that got into the wood, but they didn't know it was there until the heating got turned on. So they did all of this renovation. And then whatever they're called, they switch the heating on and it starts falling apart. The beams, not the whole building. But the beams are probably a pretty bad start. But actually, you know, let's flip it around because I know I heard some big sighs there. That's what Jesus wants to be like with us, except not just when the heating comes on. Jesus wants to penetrate us in that way. He wants to like have his... Uh, t- tentacles so far in us, the roots so far within us that actually it's transforming every single area of our lives and that when we say Jesus is Lord, it is a controversial and radical statement to say Jesus is Lord in my work or to say Jesus is Lord where I, where I do my leisure or to say Jesus is Lord um, in my family life, to say Jesus is Lord in my spending life, to say Jesus is Lord in my voting life, to say Jesus is Lord in my prayer life, to say Jesus is Lord in everything is actually one of that is actually becomes the most controversial thing that you could do, the most countercultural thing that you could do. And I feel as if Jesus just wants to, re- maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. He just wants to remind me perhaps, and perhaps all the rest of you can just go back and say, well, that wasn't for us this morning. Um, but, but maybe it isn't. Because maybe as a, as a group of people seeking to love and follow Jesus, what he's asking us to do before him is say, Jesus, show us what it means to echo Peter's words. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And because of that, you are Lord. Jesus doesn't just want a bit of us. He doesn't just want part of us. He doesn't just want our Sunday. He doesn't just want our Sunday and connect group in that time in the early morning or late at night when you go and read your Bible or pray. Jesus wants everything. I remember that phrase, uh, that, that old um, sort of saying about, you tell me what a man believes and I'll tell you what he believes by what he does. Obviously, we're, we're, we are moving into such, uh, I just think such an interesting season in the life of this nation. We're going to have a general election. We may have a second uh, independence referendum. We might have a second Brexit re- referendum. Who knows? We're going to come to Christmas. The question I'm asking as pastor here at Southside and more importantly as a follower of Jesus is what does it look like to say Jesus is Lord in all of those areas? And so I'm going to be inviting you to pray with me about the election. I don't just mean like individually. I mean we are going to meet to pray about the election and we're going to fast for the election. And we might even talk about what we think Jesus is saying about the election. Because if Jesus is interested in what we do in here, I can tell you he's a lot more interested in what we do out there. (laughs) Or just as interested, sorry, I should say, as what we do out there. And we're going to think 
about how we spend money at, Chris, at Christmas. And we're going to think about how we celebrate well whilst recognizing that we're part of not only a town, but a world that is so fragile and breaking in so many ways. And we're going to think about what it means to be proud of being Scottish or English or Irish or even South African, um, and yet be followers of Jesus and committed to the local church. We're going to think about those things because Jesus is Lord. And that means of everything. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us to echo Peter's words that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, that you are Lord, that as Peter says at the end of his um, sermon, or no, maybe in the middle of his sermon in Acts 2, he says that God has made this Jesus both Lord and and Christ, both Lord and Messiah. And Father, I think that sometimes I know it so well that I don't know it at all. And I just pray for all of us that that, if that is the case, God, that you would help us to, to recapture that most radical and controversial thing. Every time we come here, probably we sing about you being Lord. Just to recapture the enormity of that statement. And Lord, would you help us? Holy Spirit, will you help us to to be under your lordship. We pray for this nation with the election coming up. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would show us, teach us, reveal to us how we should be voting. Lord, we pray that with Christmas coming up, you would show us how to celebrate well And yet, with justice and mercy and responsibility, as part of not just a local church, but as part of your church in all the world. And we pray for this nation of Scotland, Lord, that if there is to be another referendum on independence or if there is to be another Brexit um, referendum, Lord Jesus, that, that you would keep unity that, Lord, where we disagree, we would disagree well and with love. And we pray for protection over minority people in our culture, especially those who feel that that a rise in nationalism in England or Wales or Scotland, that a rise in that leads to their discrimination discrimination against them. Lord, may we be fighters against that in the right way. Jesus, you are Lord. Would you help us to live under your Lordship? 
by the power of the Holy Spirit and to the glory of the Father. Amen.